0: now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money. Markets. Life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors.
1: And good morning and welcome to the show. Of course, it's Tuesday as we get... the uh, day underway and uh, the week first trading day of the week because yesterday was obviously a a holiday because of MLK Day Um, so a lot of things to get into this morning talking about a couple of things one the pain trade is higher that's the name of an article that is on our website as well today so a little bit more discussion than we'll be able to get into this morning on why the paint trade is higher, a lot of uh, attenuating charts as well. So that's always uh, on our Tuesday blog, um, but go to the website realinvestmentadvice.com and you can get that blog to go along with the, your, your daily reading to go along with our show. Um, also, we'll talk this morning a bit about the national debt, right? So the debt keeps going up, We're just passed 1.7 trillion uh, continuing resolution. Uh, Unfortunately, what they forgot to do uh, when they passed that continuing resolution in December to fund the government was to raise the debt ceiling. So that is now the next big conundrum for the markets is like, oh, my God, where is the debt ceiling? We've been here so many times before. Look, here's my here's my thing about the debt ceiling. Just very quickly. If you're not, the reason you have the debt ceiling is it's like a credit card spending limit. So the point is you're not supposed to go above the debt limit. When you get to the debt limit, you're supposed to go, oh, well, maybe I need to cut some spending. But if you're not ever going to cut spending and you're just going to keep spending, just get rid of the damn thing. So, I mean, if you're not going to pay attention to it, just get rid of it. I mean, the, the the debt ceiling was there for a reason, and we just keep raising the debt ceiling. We've raised it every time. I think we're up to like 24, 25 times. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a lot. Uh, but going back to the 1980s, we've been raising the debt ceiling consistently as we continue to spend more and more money and go deeper and deeper into debt. So... That's the big next hurdle for the markets. Are we going to raise the debt ceiling? Yes. Is there going to be some political theater over it? Probably. Um, (laughs) But but at the end of the day, it'll get passed. We'll keep going on. We will survive. And just let me say one other thing. A government shutdown is not a terrible thing. We've done government shutdowns before, and guess what happens? We lay off nine hundred fifty thousand non-essential workers. By the way, if you're classified as a non-essential worker, you may want to consider a job that's essential. So, the second thing with government is, is that if you have nine hundred fifty thousand non-essential workers, maybe we just need—that's where we need to start cutting the budget. <laughs> so if they're not essential you probably don't need them so we could probably save some money there and a good bit of it Um, but you know yes we close down parks we close down other things now what you'll hear in the media is like oh my gosh though if we if we if we shut down the government social security won't go out yes it will veterans won't i mean military officers won't get paid yes they will those are mandatory spending mandatory spending gets paid regardless of what's going on the government shut down not shut down mandatory spending gets paid whoa another thing you're going to hear of course is oh we're going to default on our debt no we're not going to default on our debt we have what's called a printing press so we can always meet our debt obligations it's always these big stories in the headlines but let's just keep it real Um, the government's going to raise the debt ceiling and we're going to go on with life so it's not that big of a deal what is a bigger deal is the debt and lots of articles out over the weekend videos things coming out about the the surging debt because again now we've crossed $31 trillion. We're rapidly heading towards 32. We keep spending more and more money. In fact, we're running a bigger deficit run this year than we did in 2022, which is hard to imagine. But nonetheless, you know it's the end of the world coming as we know it because eventually we're all going to default and die. No, that's not the case either, but we'll get into the importance of debt uh, this morning as well on the show, so we'll talk some more about that. Uh, very quickly, though, um, markets are doing very well here. As we uh, enter in really into the middle of the month and uh, on last week, this market rally has continued that started at the beginning of the year. Again, we'd said before that January is the largest amount of inflows into the market of the year. Of actually, of all other 11 months combined, you have the most money coming into the market in January. Uh, Been very clear here markets not only broken above important moving averages, we did break above the 200 day moving average. Uh, So we're starting then now a little bit of a a sell off this morning. uh, Won't be surprising. Come back, kind of, we're going to have to kind of work between this 50 day, 200 day moving average a little bit first. Uh, potentially then move above that if we're going to continue this rally uh, here over the next month or two. Again, we're in the seasonally strong time of the year right now. Um, MACD buy signal still in place, suggesting that asset prices can move higher here. Markets are not extremely overbought. They're a little bit overbought short-term, but markets can be overbought for a while on a short-term basis as you're in the middle of a rally. So, again, this rally continues. Uh, We added some exposure early last week. Um, We're going to continue to kind of work the portfolio here over the next uh, few days. But we are definitely seeing a rotation back more towards that bullish mindset in the markets. Now, as we've said before, it's exactly not what the Fed wants because consumer confidence is improving. The University of Michigan Consumer Confidence Index came out on Friday. That showed improvement. Uh, People are being more confident. Rising asset prices, falling inflation. Giving consumers a bit more confidence about the economy, well, that's exactly not what the Federal Reserve wants. The Federal Reserve wants consumers to be more gloomy, because they need them to contract in order to get inflation down. So this is exactly the, so this rally is working exactly against what the Fed wants. So now we've got an FOMC meeting coming up right at the beginning of February. Uh, that's where the Fed will hike another 25 points. One of the issues potentially here now that we're watching is. Is this going to be the Fed's last rate hike? Uh, Nick Timrose Wall Street Journal, Fed Whisperer, came out and said that most likely we'll see a 25 basis point hike at the next meeting. And that could be it. So we'll see. Now, the two-year Treasury rate is an important thing to watch because it basically leads the Fed funds rate. The two-year Treasury rate has already declined to about 4.9%. Suggesting that the Fed won't be able to get to their five, five and a quarter percent that they've been talking about. So, again, this is why one more rate hike. The two year Treasury is also saying one more rate hike and potentially the Fed is done on hiking rates. Again, one of the things that has been supporting the market actually all year uh, last year was this hope of this Fed pause, right? The Fed, the Fed will stop hiking rates. That'll be good for stocks. That's part of this rally as well. Now, as we talked about in this past weekend's newsletter and in today's blog as well, which is an expanded version of what we touched on in our newsletter, uh, we are forming this higher base of bottoms in the market. So that is bullish here. Again, a lot of bearish sentiment in the markets right now. A lot of people kind of really off sides. A lot of cash holdings for individual investors. Once this rally starts to get going here, that's going to start pulling more and more money off the sidelines into the markets. Would suggest that this rally does have more room to run. So give it a little bit of a, give it a little bit of room to operate here. Uh, Again, you know, I'm getting a lot of emails you know, about this being, you know, we're still in a bear market. It's going to crash. We're going to go lower this year. Be careful with that because, again, markets can do exactly the opposite of what you think they should do at times. And again, remember, the market's been pricing in bad news now for a year. All of last year it has been one story after another about inflation, market crashes, recessions, all those type of things. Market has been doing a job of pricing all that in. Earnings, of course, that starts today. Really in earnest, we touched on, we started a little bit last week. Goldman Sachs, uh, Morgan Stanley, others, all reporting earnings today. We're gonna really get into the heart of earnings next week. Now, the important thing to pay attention to here in regards to earnings is not what they say. They're, They're gonna beat earnings estimates. They'll beat or beat them because we've lowered estimates a good bit going into earnings season for this quarter. What's going to be important is what they say about the rest of the year. Lots of stuff to get into this morning. We'll come back, pick up with the pain trade is higher for now. Right after the break, realinvestmentadvice.com.
0: Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com.
2: Getting your financial house in order for the new year need not be a tedious task. Our next Candid Coffee will get you ready for the physical roller coaster 2023 promises to be with financial tips and talk. Saturday, January 28th with Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. The Financial Housekeeping Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Register today at realinvestmentadvice.com. realinvestmentadvice.com.
0: The Real Investment Show.
1: And welcome back to the show this morning. It is, of course, uh, Tuesday, as we... uh Go through the, uh, the month of January already, kind of ticking by here. Um, before you know it, it'll be April the 15th, time to pay taxes. <laughs> <laughs> so, we'll, we'll see when we get there. Um, we'll have a lot, lot more to talk about on taxes that come. Um, anyway, a couple of things. One, our new article is out this morning, it is called The Pain Trade is Higher for Now. And a couple of reasons Uh, I I started, I touched on this topic in this past weekend's newsletter as well. So, oh, by the way, just a quick, quick housekeeping before we get into this, Uh, a few changes uh, here on the site and just to, we'll keep reminding you here if you're looking for things. Um, We have a new YouTube channel for What's called now before the bell used to be our three minutes on markets and money uh we've separated that out we now have before the bell which is our three minute video uh kind of pre-market trade setup what what to be looking for for the markets for the day Uh, that now has its own youtube channel so you'll need to subscribe to that so you'll get notified we're breaking these things out so you can kind of select your subscriptions right so you have the the full real investment show right before the bell you can subscribe to both of those those youtube channels uh, our newsletter has its own email list, so if you just want the newsletter, you can subscribe to that newsletter, uh, and that's the Bull Bear Report. And then, of course, we have our daily market commentary we send out every morning by 7.30 in the morning. Uh, that is also its own separate email list. So lots of things you subscribe to, just pick the ones you want, and uh, we'll make sure they get delivered to you on time. Um, the news, the you know, part of the... You know, And then there's a few blogs we write that don't get sent on newsletters. Those are on the website, and this is one of them. Um, but the pain trade is a function of the fact that we have so many people being so bearish, right? Everybody is bearish. Bearish sentiment is off the charts in a lot of cases. Um, a lot of investors very underexposed. And then when markets do eventually bottom and start to run – Everybody's got to scramble to cover. And this is what causes these kind of stronger bull market rallies that we have and have been seeing ever since last year. And, you know, there's some things that are setting up now that suggest that we may be in another one of those phases where you have enough people that will be forced back into the markets through short covering, etc., That you're going to see a pretty, you could see, I shouldn't say you will see, you could see a fairly, everything's, you know, everything's always a guess, but you could see a fairly substantially, a fairly substantially, a fairly substantial rise higher here in market short term. And there's a few reasons for that. Now, does this mean that, the world is all healed up. No, of course not. We still have lots of problems, right? The economy is slowing down. The Fed is still hiked rates. We haven't seen, you know, a lot of those impacts hit the markets yet, and it certainly could lead to a, a more volatile year in asset prices once again. But there's a couple of things that we do need to pay attention to. Um, one is that if stocks are down – and we're going to have a chart. Uh, <laughs> Brent's going to help me out here in a second. Um, but if stocks are down in the preceding year, right, that's one thing. And then you have the Santa Claus rally, which we had just barely. And then you have the first five days of January, which typically suggests that you have a strong January in total. Then that historically has had a hundred percent rate of growth in that following year so a hundred percent of the time that you've had this trifecta of events a negative year santa claus rally first five days of january rally that has always led to positive outcomes in the year it's like oh my gosh you know how did that happen And, and and by the way those typically tend to be fairly strong rates of return usually double digits That's Lance. That's impossible. That can't happen. We've got too many things that are still going on. Maybe I'm just telling you what the statistics are. And yes, um, this time could certainly be different. You know, the one thing about statistics are, is that if you have a hundred percent probability of something, eventually it's going to fail, right? So maybe this is the year that it doesn't work out, but the probabilities are. And have been that that typically pretends to a better year now. You know again what what's causing the rally right now stocks have rallied they're above their 200-day moving average back deep buy signals are in etc you know this is all predicated on a few beliefs that you have to think that are going to come to pass one is the fed's going to pivot and start cutting rates that the economy is going to avoid a recession that yield curve inversions And we have a chart on that as well this morning. That yield curve inversions, which, by the way, we have 90%. So of the 10 yield curves that we track on a regular basis, and these are the economically most significant, 90% of them are now inverted. We're not to 100 yet, but we're real close. But 90% of those curves are inverted, and when you have 90% of the curves inverted, that has typically led to a further market, a market decline, right? And, and usually the, the yield curve inversions marks the peak of the market. They usually don't come after the peak of the market. So that's one difference this time that may render this, this indicator a little bit less effective. We'll see. They also, the, the, the market also believes that the housing market's going to remain robust, that we're not going to have this massive decline in the markets. Employment will remain strong, of course. And that says, suggests that households will be able to continue to spend def- despite inflationary pressures. And, of course, most importantly, corporate earnings and profit margins will remain strong. That's the, that's the underlying story that is supporting this market. That's the bullish view. Now, Again, there's lots of things to to certainly weigh against that, but there's also some technical setups that are becoming a little bit more important here because you know, we're starting to see improvement. And this is all short-term stuff now. Now we're talking about the pain trade and what that could be and that could be a, a couple of weeks to a couple of months. After that, I've got no there there's no clarity. Too many things can happen, but net bullish sentiment is still extremely bearish it 's improving right but it 's very bearish and what that and, and again, when most investors are bearish they 're usually wrong, and again that as markets start to rally, that begins to pull investors back into the markets but importantly, we have some technical developments that are that are much more important um, You know, when markets are topping, we talk about head and shoulders patterns like, oh, my gosh, this pretends to a bigger market decline. And we had that last year, and that did lead to a bigger market decline. Now we have the opposite of it. It's called an inverse head and shoulders. Now, we haven't completed this pattern yet, but it is improving. And if we can get a break above the downtrend line from the January highs, and then again from this this neckline that's of uh, the previous market uh, kind of the this inverse head and shoulders, you know, kind of the bottoms, we could potentially see a move to somewhere around forty two fifty to forty three hundred. So it's it's a decent move higher. Now it's not going to get you back right to where you were last year. It's not going to recover your losses, but there's potential here for a larger move higher from a technical perspective. And again, when we take a look at kind of the the market as a whole, there has been this kind of drawdown of the markets. There's this very clear downtrend line from the January peaks that runs right along the 200-day moving average, which is right where we're challenging right now. So if we get above that, and we've got the buy signal in place right now, you know, if we get a move above that downtrend line, there's not a lot of resistance to a move higher to around that 42, 4300 level, and that's going to surprise a lot of investors, and then they're going to start scrambling to get in, and as that they start to scramble to get in, that's going to push asset prices higher, and then potentially we'll have to deal with a slowing economy or whatever it is, you know, later on this year. But this is that this is that kind of bigger setup that we're talking about. And, again, you know, there's, you know, a lot of things that have to happen, you know, for the, the bear market, so, you know, to speak of, is to be over, right? We, we need to see improving earnings. We need to see these type of things. We need to avoid a recession. And, look, I, I, there's no guarantee that we're going to do any of that. But. Right now, that's what the markets believe. And so you have to separate out. This is one of the, the email challenges I get. And, you know, every week when I, you know, do the, the video with, you know, Adam Taggart, right? get a lot of pushback. It's like, ah, you know, the world's coming to an end. I need to be in a bunker. I need to be cash and gold. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? But you've got to be careful of it because this, you know, what we've been in will end, and the question is: Is has it ended already, and we're now in the process of improvement, or is there still more to go? And and, no, and nobody knows the answer on this, right? We can all guess at it, but but you know the the end of the world doom and gloom theses tend to turn out wrong more often than not. And one of the big drivers this year is going to be share buybacks. Corporations have had a record issuance of share buyback announcements this year. $1.2 trillion. Hear me clearly. That's been, share buybacks have accounted for 40% of the gain in the market since 2011. $1.2 trillion in announcements for this year already is a record. And that is $4.5 billion a day in share repurchases all year long. Every single trading day, $4.5 billion going into the markets. That's a support for asset prices that may keep things a bit more bullish than a lot of people think. All right, when we come back from the break, let's talk about debt, right? That's the big concern here. We're all going to die because of the debt. We're not, but we'll talk about when we come back from the break. Don't go away.
2: Keeping. Getting your financial house in order for the new year need not be a tedious task. Our next Candid Coffee will get you ready for the physical roller coaster 2023 promises to be with financial tips and talk. Saturday, January 28th with Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff. Register now at RealInvestmentAdvice.com. The Financial Housekeeping Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Register today at RealInvestmentAdvice.com. RealInvestmentAdvice.com realinvestmentadvice.com.
0: You're listening to The Real Investment Show.
1: And welcome back to the show this morning. So, the next big event, right? Congress poised for showdown as U.S. hit debt limit this week world we're all gonna die because of all the debt and the debt ceiling and we're gonna shut down the government look it's you know do we have a debt problem yeah no doubt about that and you know the the problem that we have is obviously that we just have too much spending versus you know too little revenue and you know despite the fact we're running record tax revenue right now we just simply have no control over spending we we just you know have to come up with more and more reasons to spend money on stupid things that you know don't produce revenue and and look one of the reasons that we are trapped in a slow growth economy is because of the debt debt detracts from economic growth and there's a very clear correlation going all the way back through history on this in fact every country in the world and when you surpass 100% of debt to GDP, which the U.S. has, then, you know, you're going to have slower growth. And it's just really kind of a function of math. But it doesn't mean that the world is going to end and we're all going to default and, and you know, be bankrupt. And, and there's a very good case study for this. It's called Japan. For 40 years, Japan has been running massive debt levels. Do they have problems? Absolutely. They're trying to do yield curve control right now. They, they can't raise interest rates. They have rolling recessions every three years. It's not great to be in Japan. But they're still here and they're still kicking. Right? Right? And this is after 40 years. So my point about this is, is debt a bad thing? Of course it is, right? Too much debt is not good for the economy. And that's just kind of common sense logic. But does it mean that we're all going to default and, and, you know, the world's going to come to an end as we know it? And that's going to happen tomorrow, by the way. No, that's not what that means. You know, I get a lot of emails from people like, well, aren't you worried about the debt? Well, yeah, I am worried about the debt. But. It's got no impact or bearing on the markets right now because the markets don't care about it at the moment. Does it have long-term economic consequences? Yes, I'll be dead, and so will you. But, yes, there will be economic consequences as we continue to go down the path of Japan. And I've written articles called the Japanification of the U.S., right? And we're on that very same path, aging demographic, rising debt levels, You know, uh, runaway spending, no controls in government. I mean, we have very much a very similar pathway as Japan. Yes, there's some differences, but we are on a very much a similar pathway. Our saving grace right now is that we have the ability to print our own currency and we have the benefit of being the reserve currency of the world for now. That, too, could change. I'm not sure where or how it could change because where else are you going to put your money but for now, the US remains the dominant currency. And that gives us some unbridled benefits that other countries don't have. So is that a problem? Yes, it's absolutely a problem. Is it something that you should go hide everything in, you know, your bunker with beanie weenies and your, your gold bullion and ammo for because this is all going to crash and die tomorrow? No. You know, the, the problem is, is that you can run very high debt levels for a very long time before they become problematic. Now, it could be tomorrow. <laughs> could be. But probably not. And so when you're investing money, and again, this is all this comes back to, I don't really care much about anything else, you know, except investing money. That's, that's kind of the, the thing. So it's important and then look, I don't mean that by saying I don't care about them because I do, but that's a different conversation, right? You know, if you want to talk, if you want to have a political conversation, we can have a political conversation about the malfeasance of government, right? So that's a different story, though. What we're talking about right now is the impact on the markets and in our investing. That's why you're listening to the show is what to do with your money. That that problem will have no bearing on the market short term. And so, if you're investing based on this thesis that the world's about to go bankrupt, you're going to probably wind up missing out on a lot of market returns by being in the wrong asset classes. And that's the important thing to understand. And again, there's a lot, look, and this is and the debt is, is a great piece of headlined making kind of agenda for getting clicks and views and People send me links to videos about the end of the world's coming because of the debt. Or, you know, the, the dollar's going to collapse because of the debt. And, and this is going to happen because of the debt. And the only thing that's going to save you is going to be Bitcoin and gold, you know, whatever. Be careful with that. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, right? I'm just saying be really careful with it because whenever we get into these scenarios where there's the doom and gloom prediction, the end of the world, the bust, whatever something else tends to happen and you know the the you know i'm i'm the world's worst about predicting the worst possible outcome you know if my son calls me and says hey dad i got to talk but i can't talk right now i'll call you later my you know i immediately jump to the fact that he's in prison and you know he just you know that was his one phone call and i got to go bail him out turns out that you know he just wanted to tell me about his day at school <laughs> but for me You know, it's the worst possible outcome, right? Always. I mean, that's where I go mentally. So, you know, the the problem when it comes to investing is you can't do that. Because if you do that, you're going to wind up missing out too much on returns and growth of your capital over time. So it's important to keep these things into some perspective about how they actually physically operate within the economy. Look, the debt's a problem. The reason debt is a problem is because we have to service that debt. With interest rates higher right now, that is taking more tax revenue to service the interest payments on the debt. So that takes money that we could be using to fund productive investments, you know, nuclear power plants or, you know, hydro, uh, you know, hydroelectricity generating dams, you know, those type of things, things that we could then charge fees for that would produce a revenue stream that would pay them for themselves over time. We could be spending tax dollars on those types of productive investments that would lead to stronger economic growth over time. But instead, we have to spend those dollars on paying debt, which is a one-time benefit. So we don't get the benefit of those reinvested dollars into a stronger economy So that leads to slower economic growth over time because we keep extracting more and more capital from economic growth to pay for debt. And this isn't just government debt. This is household debt is exactly the same thing. The economy is 70% consumption with consumers running record debt levels. That means more of their dollars are going into paying for debt, which means less money to go back into the economy, which means slower economic growth. So more debt, Slower economic growth, that's what you're going to get. And this is why Japan has very slow economic growth. They have rolling recessions every you know, three years or so. Can't get interest rates off the ground because of exactly that reason. We're heading down that pathway, right? We're going back to sub 2% growth over the next few years. We're going back to very low rates of inflation. We're going back to very low interest rates. Because you can't support economic growth with high interest rates. You've got to have low, low interest rates in order to support, high, to support slow economic growth. Because there's just too much debt that has to be serviced. And, and, and the, the economic growth that we're getting is all coming from debt generation. It takes more and more debt to generate a dollar's worth of GDP. So that's a problem. But. It's not a problem today. now, the debt ceiling, as I said earlier, is more political kabuki theater than anything else. There is no there is no none, zero members in Washington that want to actually have a debt ceiling. they want to use it to use it for a political pawn game to try to leverage some concessions on raising the debt ceiling for whatever that is going to be, but they all want to raise the debt ceiling because they know they have to because they're going to keep spending money. It doesn't matter which party you're talking about, either Democrats or Republicans. They both want to spend money. It's just a, p- a question of what they want to spend money on, and they all want to spend more money than we have coming in revenue, and, and the reason is is because the revenue that we generate from taxes, it takes 100% of that revenue just to pay for mandatory spending, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid they're not going to touch that military spending in terms of uh you know uh, payrolls right not defense spending but actual payment of our military that's a mandatory spending and interest on the debt outside of that everything else is non-discretionary that's the stuff they want to spend money on that all has to come from debt so they all want to spend money on debt they all want to raise the debt ceiling right so there's nobody that wants to live on a balanced budget now the one thing that we may eventually get to is running a budget to where we don't automatically have, you know, uh, we'll, we'll get back, no, we will not have baseline budgeting, I'll, I'll spit that out, where we just don't automatically increase the budget 8% every year, which we've been doing for decades now. So maybe we'll get there. Maybe we'll, we'll get to some point of running a balanced budget at some point, who knows, right? I'm optimistic. I'm also optimistic that we're not going to have a debt crisis tomorrow. So be careful, is my point, about investing on that thesis. Be right back after the break.
0: you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com.
2: Getting your financial house in order for the new year need not be a tedious task. Our next Candid Coffee will get you ready for the fiscal roller coaster 2023 promises to be with financial tips and talk. Saturday, January 28th with Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff. Register now at RealInvestmentAdvice.com. The Financial Housekeeping Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Register today at RealInvestmentAdvice.com. RealInvestmentAdvice.com. The RealInvestmentAdvice.com
0: real investment show
1: so this morning uh a few things that are going on as we kind of get earnings season out of the way morgan stanley goldman sachs both uh reporting earnings this morning morgan stanley out of the gate, uh, with fourth quarter earnings results, profit fell on uh, deal making. Of course, not surprising. IPO market was really under a lot of pressure last year after 2020, 2021, um, when we were doing SPACs and IPOs like crazy. Um, as money dried up and markets fell, nobody was really interested in buying IPOs of companies. So, not surprising that deal making fell. Profit down 40 percent to 2.2 billion from 3.7 billion a year ago. That amounted to $1.26 per share. That, that topped estimates of $1.25. Now, this is the important thing I'm telling you about earnings, and pay attention to this. This is millennial earnings season. We lowered the bar on earnings estimates ever since June of last year. We've been dropping earnings estimates so these companies can beat their earnings. Okay? They're beating much lowered expectations. Now, what's gonna be important is what they say about the future, right? But right now, everybody's going to get a trophy because we are all have, have lowered that bar so much that everybody can get over it. So twenty six per share, that topped estimates of twenty five. That was what Wall Street, uh, according to a fact set, revenue was about $12.7 That was above estimates of $12.5 Again, down from $2.2 2 in profit, right? So... I'm sorry, down from $3.7 billion a year ago in profits. So big drop in profits, but beating earnings, beating revenue. Um, Goldman Sachs also announcing earnings this morning as well. Goldman Sachs Group is, is uh, making their announcements. Profits down 66% to $1.3 billion from $3.9 billion a year ago. That amounted to about three thirty two dollars a share. Um, revenue is about $10.6 billion. Uh, that was a little bit below expectations of 10.76. Again, deal drought, just like, not surprising, uh, just like with Morgan Stanley, is what's dragging on revenue, right? Investment banking is where these companies make all their money. What is investment banking? That is where they you know, develop product to sell to you. And so when you have a big demand for a product and you're wanting to buy everything that uh, people are willing to bring to markets like you were in 2020, 2021, bankrupt companies or not, they're going, to bring, they're going to make a lot of revenue. Well, when that's over, revenue is going to fall. It's just a function of, of, the, of their business. Their business model is develop product and sell it to you at a fee. That's how they make money. Stock and bond trading revenue up 18% thanks to volatile markets. Provisions for credit losses were $972 million for the fourth, fourth quarter. That was up from three forty-four. Now, there's an interesting story developing in the banks. Loan loss provisions are rising sharply across banks. They are preparing for defaults. Loan defaults, credit card defaults, mortgage defaults, those type of things. So they are preparing for that. Now, here's the trick about loan loss provisions. Take Goldman Sachs as an example. So they move money over to 900. They they move money into loan loss provisions, right? So that's that's a... That's an expense to the books. Later this year, if they don't need to use those those loan loss provisions, right, So they set money aside to take care of potential mortgage defaults, credit card defaults, etc. Let's say the worst does not happen. And let's say they only have $472 million worth of loan losses they've got to deal with. But they've got 972 sitting over there. They then bring that $500 million that's sitting over here back on the books. Guess what that is? That's revenue on the books, right? So they'll say, oh, we had a big jump in in revenue. Well, $500 million of it was just bringing back loan loss reserves back on their books. So again, just pay attention to this because there's a, there'll be some, some funny business that you'll have to sort out later this year. Um, Bitcoin is also trading higher. See what the, I'll see if I can get you the exact number this morning. Um, but Bitcoin's actually finally gotten a little bit of life. Not surprising because after the whole FTX collapse last year, et cetera, so forth and so on, you're starting to see speculative investments go back up in price people are starting to chase speculative stocks stocks like mara uh, marathon digital which was um just a couple of weeks ago this stock was trading right around uh two dollars a share it's now 788 right so big surge in these very beaten up basically near bankrupt companies as fears of the worst are now starting to fade away. Bitcoin's trading up near 21,000, actually over 21,000 right now um, for Bitcoin up from, you know, 14, 15, 16, just a few months ago. So you're starting to see a lot of speculative investment come back into the markets now that People are starting to fear or starting to come to this idea. And this, again, this is why that pain trade is higher. You're now seeing a very different rally now than you've had previously. And the two, the bear market rallies we had in 2022, you had markets rise 10, 11, 12% on stocks. But the, the junk stocks didn't rally that much. And Bitcoin didn't rally at all. Now you're seeing the most speculative assets really come back into the markets as people are now starting to speculate that the bottom is in on a lot of these assets. And so it's a little bit of a different rally that we have today than we've had previously. China's economic data also giving a little bit of support for markets. Let me just read you the headline and I'll tell you the true story. China's economic growth slowed sharply to 3%. Last year, under harsh COVID-19 control measures, but fourth quarter growth was 2.9%, which beat estimates of 1.7%. The contrast, of course, reflects its ch- the challenge of investing in China. There are plenty of reasons to be bullish, including reopening of borders. After three years of tight COVID controls, easing pressure on technology sector, government moves to address the property slowdown. Uh, again, credit impulses. Now... <laughs> Just to remind you that China is a state-run country, and they tell you what their GDP number is. Here's the difference between the U.S. and China. The U.S. reports GDP on a quarterly basis. So in January, we report GDP for the fourth quarter of last year. In February, we'll revise the first quarter estimate. In March, we'll revise again the first quarter estimate. As data comes in, we revise that estimate. Three years from now, we'll go back and revise all the data. After we have all the data in, and we can see clearly the trends and what the data is. So there's a constant revision process going on with U.S. GDP growth. Over a 90-day period and a three-year period following the actual quarter. China reports GDP 15 days after the end of the quarter, and never revises it ever again. That's because they just tell you what GDP is. How can a country that has been locked down for as long as they have been have surging economic growth higher than it was a year ago when they weren't locked down? Go figure that out. But nonetheless, China reported very good growth And if we only had that kind of, you know, ability to report things. It's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, PwC resigns as the Evergrande auditor. Remember that, you was know, going back to China, you know, China's got a huge real estate problem. Evergrande was one of their real estate uh, companies that were building. You remember they, you know, the whole story about China is they were building these entire cities that they built Manhattan, as an example. They built Cities, they, they built entire cities in China that nobody actually lived in. But to, to generate economic growth, they just built these cities. Um, and a lot of them were, were empty, vacant, never lived in, etc. But entire cities existed. Um, Evergrande, part of the big real estate property developer, of course, it was the one that went into bankruptcy, had to be bailed out. Uh, PWC, Coopers, was the auditor for that. <laughs> and they have now resigned as the auditor of Evergrande, citing, quote, a lack of information. Never mind the results for the year just ended. Evergrande's creditors are still waiting for 2021's financial statements. They will have to wait even longer after auditor PwC has resigned. Evergrande was once China's biggest property company, almost collapsed under a mountain of debt, is now in the middle of a complicated and lengthy debt restructuring. In its resignation letter, PwC pointed to a lack of information From Evergrande on a range of subjects, including possible off-balance sheet liabilities, the value of the property portfolio, and the status of some outstanding debt. (laughs) Evergrande (laughs) has hired a new auditor that is a Chinese company, and they said they will be filing everything on Monday. So I'm sure we will get perfectly pristine information coming out of Evergrande soon as chief executives disappear into <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> exactly. Uh, anyway, all right. Uh, so those are kind of some of the bigger headlines of the day. Um, anyway, that is uh, make, make sure you get by our website. Again, let me just remind you kind of house cleaning again. Just uh, we'll do this here until we get everybody kind of switched over. Uh, Before the bell, which will be coming up here in about 30 minutes, um, is our three minute video. Previously, we called it Three Minutes on Markets of Money. It's now called Before the Bell, that now has its own YouTube channel. So you'll need to subscribe there to get notified daily when it comes out. Um, you can also link to that through our Real Investment Show uh, YouTube channel as well. The link's also on our website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Uh, make sure you're also subscribed to our daily commentary. That's a separate email list, along with our weekly newsletter, the Bull Bear Report. That is also a separate email list. Keep you updated on everything that we're doing. Our latest blog po- post is out on the website now. The pain trade is higher with all the attenuating charts and graphs. That is there for you. Also, have a great day. Uh, tune into Fox News at uh, two o'clock this afternoon. I'll be hanging out with Charles Payne for a few minutes, talking. And then there goes the market. Market crashes every time I'm on Fox News. Anyway, we'll be there this afternoon. Have a great day. See you back here tomorrow.